Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another week's show. As he said, I'm David from Learn Stage Lighting, and this is the show where you get to learn about lighting, and I get to teach you, and it's a really fun time, especially on these every other Tuesdays of the month where we answer your question. And that is exactly what today's podcast is. And I'm really excited. I've got a ton of questions to get to, and um, I'm going to try to get to them all. I may or may not. We'll see how long this goes, but I'm excited either way to answer your questions this week here on the show. Now, if you've been listening before, if you've listened to at least one episode before, thank you for being here. Make sure you're subscribed. And then the third thing that, that I really need to ask you to do is go over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from, and you can do that via learnstagelighting.com slash iTunes, and give this podcast a rating. Can you do that for me? Because if you've gotten some value out of this, especially if I've answered your question either today or another time, what I would really love is if you could review, because that's going to help other people find the show. And when they click on it, you know, and they get to the show's page, they'll realize that there's something here and there's a real human on the other end. And it's something that's interesting to listen to. So can you do that for me? That would be a huge favor, which would just help this show to grow so much, I know. And so it's just going to take, you know, literally three minutes of your time. And I would really, really appreciate if you could do that for me today. All right, so let's dive into the questions. I said there's a lot. I got a strong cup of tea here. Let's dive in. So John asks, I haven't even started with lighting yet, but I do have a couple of questions. Previously, um, he previously asked what his next step should be. Okay, so I guess you've written in the podcast before, John, and um, you're in a band and are trying to upgrade from auto mode. Um, you have some, you mentioned the lights you've got, some color strips. I suggested NTech DMXs as the next step. Okay, so you didn't listen to my advice, and you went, and uh, your sound guy uses Shave Show Express, um, and you download the software since you can do that and play with it. Um, so here are the questions that come up. Um, the fixtures are cheap Chinese stuff. Um, Stage 8 brand, if you call it a brand park hands, and um, some flat panels are not on the list. How do you handle addressing lights that are not listed? I figure I might have the same issue with DMXs. And then question two after adding the color strips, um, he could not get the 3D view to open. Um, it would not open. So, yeah, John, you know, this is why Show Express, I've used it, and it's an okay program, but it's kind of buggy, and not everything always works right. Um, and so that's one of the main reasons to answer your question, that I don't recommend it usually to people. Like, it's a decent program, and you can make a good show with it, but I think there's better options out there, and that's why I recommended DMXs to you. Um if your 3D view doesn't open, I don't know. You're probably going to have to contact Shave's support. They may, they, hopefully they'll help you even though you haven't bought anything. I don't know. Um, you know, what I can tell you is that your fixtures, once you get to 3D view, they may not be available if they're not Shave fixtures and they may not work in there. So just keep that in mind. Um, really only Shave fixtures and a very small library of fixtures actually work in the, the 3D view in Show Express. So even though it's something they advertise, in my experience and the experience of people that I've talked with, they've really found that the, the 3D view for the most part is not helpful in Show Express. And then um, how do you address lights that are not listed? Well, you have to get a profile into the program, and that has to be, in the case of Show Express, requested 
through Chavez. Now, I can tell you, John, that I don't know how fast Chavez gets back to these fixture library requests. That's what they're generally called. Um, some companies are quick at it. Some companies are real slow. And the most companies out there are real slow. I don't know how fast Chavez, but what I can tell you is another win for DMXs is that um, is that if a light is not listed in DMXs, you can actually go to fixtures.dmxs.com, create a little login, and you can create your own fixtures. And not only that, you can search all the fixtures, and there's a ton of them that people have put in there. You can search all those fixtures, and you can add the fixtures that are in there to your program. It's really easy to do. And so that, to me, is a big win for DMXs, especially when you're dealing with um, less popular fixtures, shall I say. And so, you know, I know you're trying to save money and stuff like that, but this is exactly the point that I, I want to drive home to everyone is that, you know, I'm constantly out there trying new things, trying every piece of software that crossed my desk, every lighting console, working with them, even the ones I don't recommend, so that I can see what's out there. And I can recommend to you guys only the very best, easiest stuff that's going to save you time and save you frustration and maybe save you money too. You know, John, in this case, obviously... You know, your friend has Show Express, so you can borrow the box and it's free. Um, but, you know, so far it hasn't been going so good, right? It's It's been frustrating to you. And I hope you can kind of see here where I've outlined that, you know, DMXs is a lot easier to work with and it's easier to overcome these obstacles you're hitting in Show Express um, than in DMXs. And so I really, I would recommend giving it another look. You can download the software. Um, I'll make sure we get the link in the show notes, um, to download that software. Um, because you can download the software you can't output, but you can at least, you know, see, um, you can actually, you know, see what's going on in there. You can patch your fixtures. Um, you can find them online and, and start, you know, kind of messing with stuff and seeing how it works. Follow my videos that are on YouTube and I will link to those videos here as well. All right. Our next question is uh, Asaf. So he writes in um, that, how are you, my friend? I'm happy to to learn how to make a good desktop for a show. Um, this guy is obviously, you know, not a native English speaker. And that's great. I love that um, so many people who listen to the show are not native English speakers. Um, but sometimes, you know, it just takes me a second to process your question because you're writing to me in English, which is not your native language. Um, what must I see right in front of my eyes? Okay, I'm not sure what he's asking there. Another thing, I work with the M-Touch. What is the 10 sliders are the most important to record? So, Asaf, um, it's hard to make blanket statements here about what to record on the 10 faders of your M-Touch. And in fact, you know, for those listening, this works with any console. Because there's a lot of consoles out there that sell interfaces that have 10 faders. It's a pretty standard thing. You know, right here, I can see my M-Touch. I can see a Lightshark LS1. You know, I know of the Hog Wing, the Camsys Wing. You know, the not the Grand MA Wing. You only get six faders and, you know. Um, but regardless, um, you know, there's a lot of consoles that have 10 faders. So what is the most important things to record on the sliders? Well... You know, while I don't know a lot about your situation and what you're lighting, Asaf, I can tell you this. Every time you're going to record something, you know, a lot of times, um, I, and I found myself falling into this trap, I just want something to be handy. And so I just, you know, pull something up, you know, change some colors, change some attributes of the lights, record it to a fader. 
you know, do something else, record it to a fader. And then I run out faders. And so the question you really need to ask yourself as you're recording things is, do I really need fader control of this? Like, because a fader allows you to not only play the cue with the lights on it, but also, you know, move attributes and create a variable level by, by moving that fader up and down. And not everything you record needs to have that control. For example, when I record colors, you know, for across my lighting rig, you know, color combinations and individual colors and stuff like that, I don't really need to bring up a fader to get only 50% of that color. I want that color look or I don't. And so I'm going to go ahead and program that to an on-screen button or a physical button on my controller because I don't need fader-based control. Now, other things like the intensity of lights, um, the speed of effects, the amount, um, the size control of an effect that I'm running, I want to have fader-based control of that because that's going to give me the ability to vary things as I move up and down. And so, um, Asaf, if you're new to this and you're really learning, you know, I would go ahead and check out, and we'll link to it in the show notes to the uh, the main page about this, about Learn Stage Lighting Labs, because, you know, this is my program where um, I really help a lot of people like you who might be new to lighting, might have, you know, an M-Touch or something similar to that. And you want to know, hey, for my type of show, what's the best thing to program? And, and inside the labs, we've got interactive videos that, you know, show you. I say, hey, if you're lighting for church, here's how I like to set things up and why. For a band, here's how I like to do it etc, etc. And you can follow along with the videos and then ask questions about how to specifically apply it in your specific circumstances in our private user form. So Asaf, I would check that out. I'll send, I'll put a link in here so that you make sure in the show notes, um, or my assistant will actually, and, um, you know, we'll make sure that, that you get that info just, you know, um, not only to answer your question here, um, cause I want to answer it, but if you do try to try and decide to join the labs, I think you'll really get a lot of value out of it. So, Yuri asks, um, hi, David, I have a few questions. First of all, I should explain that I have a small gear rental company. Um, okay, lighting and audio and then stuff. And so they're setting up their equipment in all kinds of different venues, and they're using the uh, Sunlight Suite with the Akai MPC-20 controller. So his question is, should I use, should I move to the Onyx software using the same Akai controller and an art in a box or stay with my current setup? What benefit can I get if I move to Onyx, um, can you also um, provide some tricks? And you've attached a few photos. Okay, I got to go back to my email to find your photos. But, you know, Gary, um, I'm not going to tell you that you have to switch to Onyx or that it's the best thing since sliced bread because I really believe there's a lot of consoles out there and you need to find the one that's best for you, okay? So I, I'm Onyx is a great platform, and I'm guessing that you're looking to change from sunlight to onyx because maybe sunlight frustrates you um, in how kind of difficult it is to program, how it's kind of clunky sometimes, and how, you know, maybe sometimes you want to do some more complex things and it's just not built to do that. Well, onyx is built to do more complex things, and that's, that's who it's best for. So basically, if you're using sunlight and you're cool with it and it works for you, then there's no need to change to something else, okay? You know, Sunlight is made by this company um, whose name I can't pronounce, uh, Nicolade, I think. And, you know, they make different programs. Um, Sunlight, Dotslight, I think they make my DMX and this LumaDesk. And they make all these different programs that are all very similar. 
And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of their programs. I don't think it's the best thing out there that you can get value for, for your money and, and, you know, ease of use and, and all the things I look at when I'm evaluating lighting software. You know, I don't think they're the best out there, but a lot of people are using them. You know, it's, it's not a terrible system. I'm not, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. If it's, if it's working for you, stick with it. But if it's not working for you, if you want something more complex and you're ready to move up to something professional level, then yeah, you know, move up to Onyx. Um, let me look here at the MPC-20 real quick. I just want to look at a quick picture um, because if you're just using MIDI buttons, then you're able to integrate it for free with Onyx. And, and I've got videos inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs that can show you how to do it or you can check the manual, etc. cetera. Um, this did not get me where I needed to go. Google. Um, but if you need to do faders as well, so I'm looking here, MPC-20. You said it was the MPC-20, right? What keeps coming up is the MPC-5000. Let me look again here. The MPC-20. Yeah, so I'm... It looks like it might just be buttons. It might not have any faders, but I'm having a hard time finding a, a picture of it real quick. So if basically if it is faders or knobs where you want, you know, variable control, you're going to need to use a program called Show Cockpit. And uh, that's it, showcockpit.com. We'll make sure we link to that in the show notes, which is basically the bridge that allows you to, um, to add in a MIDI controller, a generic MIDI controller and Onyx. And I think it's about 85 euros for, for those options on it. And that allows you to use your existing controller with Onyx. It's easy to, you know, assign it to buttons and then record stuff there. It's actually a little easier than the built-in functionality that's free inside of Onyx. And then um, it allows you to also map faders to the faders in Onyx, which is the one thing you really can't do with the macros, uh, the mini macros inside Onyx itself. Now, um, can I also provide some tricks? Um, you attached a few photos of your work. You know, Yuri, I'm looking at your work here, and it looks like you like, you know, special events, parties, stuff like that. Um, and honestly, you know, I'm not going to tell you what you're doing is wrong. It, I don't have a lot of context, okay? You know, for what you're doing, it looks like the type of events you're doing, you've got a great setup. You know, you've got a back truss with some lights on it that are pointing, you know, at the band and at the room. If you can get something in front of the band, that would be great. But at the same time, I know the challenges of your situation where you're in a place, you've got to come in, set up your stuff quick, get up and running fast. And so simplicity is key in your situation. So I don't know, you know, I don't have a lot of context, of course, as to, you know, what you like, what you don't like about your current setup. But I'm going to say, you know, don't worry about putting your gear somewhere else unless, again, it's not totally working for you. Now, uh, Carl wrote in. And he said, one thing I've been trying to figure out is how to use the speed function of moving heads. I can't really figure out what it's used for. All right, Carl. So the speed function. So for those who may not be familiar, on moving heads, you sometimes have a channel that is dedicated to the speed so that you're able to make the moving head move slower. So you might move the pan or tilt fader really fast. And then the moving head is going to move slower than that. And so this is really, Carl, um, only applicable. It's really only useful if you're using like a really basic fader-based controller, like a Chave Obey 40 or something like that, or, you know. And you don't have the ability to really set like fade times. So if you're using a piece of software or 
a more advanced controller, then chances are you can program in different scenes and things like that. And then you're able to set, you know, I want this one to fade in a second, this one to fade in three seconds, you know, and the moving hits are going to fade smoothly among that time. But if you have one of these older, really basic controllers, like a Chave Obey 40 or something like that, then what you have to set the speed of the movement between different between different scenes or between you know where your faders are you have to set that speed by the slowness that you move your finger at and these faders are not they're not great faders that are on these consoles and sometimes they're a little jumpy and so having the ability to set a speed function with a different fader you know set that speed to slow and then you can you know move that fader let it go and the the moving head's going to pan slowly so that's really what it's for it's if you don't feel like you need that, then you probably have a console that is better anyways, which is what you should have. You know, ultimately, one one of the things I really harp on a lot here at Learn Stage Lighting is that your control, your console, is really the brain of your lighting system. And so when if you don't have the best control for, you know, what you need, then you're leaving money on the table. You might as well not buy, you know, more lights you know, I would rather have you buy, you know, a couple less lights and get the right controller that gives you the ability to get really good control of the lights you have, because that's going to have a bigger impact on your show than just buying more lights. So I hope that makes sense, Carl. I hope that makes sense for you. Martin writes in, how do you automate moving lights on a normal DMX controller when you are a soloist? All right, Martin, so you're on stage. You play by yourself, and you've got some moving heads, maybe some LEDs, some other stuff, and you want it to be automated, okay? Well, the answer is you need the right controller, Martin, okay? And what you really need is NTEX DMXs, and I know I talk about it a lot on this show, but for people who are just getting started, and I'll link to my page, um, I'll have the link in the show notes to my page, um, how to start with NTEC DMXs or how to program with DMXs. It's got my videos on it and shows you how to use it and, and tells you about the software a little. But what you need is DMXs. Why do you need DMXs? Well, as you've probably found, Martin, you know, a normal DMX controller, you know, a lot of basic controllers are designed to have someone physically there, you know, pressing the buttons, moving the faders, etc. But what are you to do if you're on stage? Well, DMXs really answers that question because it allows you to pre-program your stuff, you know, movements and static scenes and even stuff that's partially sound active in a really cool way. It allows you to program all your stuff in. Then you put it in the order of your show. And then in your show, you just press a foot switch or if you use backing tracks, you can set it up to happen automatically and your lights change to the foot switch. So I've had many solo performers and people in bands, etc do this because it's like if you just have a few lights and you guys can set them up yourself then there's really no need to have to have someone there just to run the lights because you can do it from stage with dmx's and you can just hit that foot switch the lights move forward and you have an engaging show for your audience so be sure to check that out i'll make sure i link to that get that linked in the show notes thinking of the show notes i'm today's sponsor is learn stage lighting labs now I've mentioned it a few times already, but the truth is um, when you're beginning with the lighting, if you're, you know, getting to know your way around lighting, you might have a lot of questions and you might get lost at times, you know, looking through manuals, you know, watching 
YouTube videos and you know, everybody's kind of got their own take on things. And so one guy's going to tell you to do this. Then the manual tells you to do that. And you, you read about this function and you're like, how does that even help me? Like my band or my church or my DJ set. And so what, what happens in Learn Stage Lighting Labs? The way I like to explain it is, you know, just like how I was explaining a couple questions ago, getting the right console in place can be way more beneficial than buying another couple lights at the same cost, right? You know, you could spend a couple hundred bucks. I mean, it depends on what, you know, you need, but you could spend a couple hundred bucks on a couple lights or maybe just one light, or you could spend a couple hundred bucks on the right console. Seem similarly, you know, if you're at a, a higher level doing, you know, more fancier stuff, you've got nicer lights, whatever, you know, maybe you spend a thousand bucks on a console or, you know, a thousand bucks on the lights. Well, the cool thing about Learn Stage Lighting Labs is similar to getting the right console in place, you know, getting the right information in your head and getting the right guidance as you go along and begin to really apply lighting is really key and really crucial. And when you do that, you're able to really shortcut your way to making great lighting. And so instead of fumbling around and being frustrated, you come out and you say, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know what end goal I want to accomplish. And now with Learn Stage Lighting Labs, you can know how to get there too. And so I want to invite you to check out the special page we have um, that uh, just tells you a little bit more about Learn Stage Lighting Labs. It's got a video that shows you inside it, shows you what's there, what you're going to learn, and how to join. So I want to get that information to you. It's at learnstagelighting.com slash labs. I want to make sure you get that and uh, make sure that you check that out today so that you know, you can get started and you can really shortcut things because the way I like to think of this is, you know, this is actually saving you money because I've had a lot of people come in the labs and, you know, either they buy the wrong consoles, they buy the wrong lights, etc. You know, they buy stuff they don't need and then they ended up spending money for something that sits in a corner. Well, in the labs, not only am I going to help you pull that stuff out of the corner and use it and make it into a great show, but I'm going to help you make sure you buy the right stuff so that it doesn't get in the corner in the first place, right? And so that's really my goal is that for everybody who joins the labs, you know, and hopefully that'll be you today because I think it'll help you um, possibly if you're listening to this show. Um, you know, for everybody that joins, I want to make sure that I provide more value to them than they pay in labs. And we do that through video training and personalized assistance in our private forums. I want to make it so that you from being in the labs, you know, circumvent, you, you don't make um, decisions, you don't buy lights that you don't need, okay? So that's one way that's going to save you money. Um, that alone can save you way more than the cost of the labs because if you look at the pricing options, it's not expensive monthly, and if you go yearly or quarterly, it's even less per month. And so I just want to help you out. I really want to help you um, speed things up in your lighting, you know, save yourself time, and time is money. And then also save yourself money by not buying things you don't need, which, you know, then you may try to resell and, and, and do so at a loss. So that's really what I do there. And I hope you'll check it out and join us at learnstagelighting.com slash labs. Awesome. So now let's uh, see what William had to ask. He said, what are the best lights to use when doing theater lighting? All right, William. So my answer to you here is going to be simple. You can literally in the theater world, you know, especially depending on the type of theater you work with, whether it's, you know, 
a low budget, you know, theater group, a community or children's theater group, or, you know, maybe you're a theater group and you could be a community or children's theater group, university, whatever, you know, maybe you've got some money, but either way, um, at the end of the day, you know, light is light and it's the way you use it that makes it the most powerful. And so I'm not trying to get ooey gooey and, you know, weird here, but that really is the truth. You know, I've seen in, in my time in lighting here and when I work with people, I've seen people make great theater lighting with lights that would be called, you know, rock and roll lights like parkans and, you know, inexpensive LEDs. On the other hand, I've seen people use, you know, a theater lighting rig, you know, very much, you know, ellipsoidals and fresnels and really high quality, you know, nice lights. And I've watched them make, you know, something that doesn't look that good. On the other hand, I've seen people light a show with the nice theater lights and make it look amazing. On the other hand, I've seen people light a show with the rock and roll style lights, you know, a theater show, and make it look terrible. And so the answer, William, is not, and, and I don't want this to sound like I'm skirting around the question and not answering it, but the truth is, if you're starting from scratch and you have some lights to buy, you know, I would probably go ahead, you know, evaluate your budget, talk to some experts, you know, talk to some people about your specific situation and figure out what's the best for you. It's better to go with something that's designed for the theater, you know, something like Fresnels and ellipsoidals and, you know, scoop lights over your stage. But you know what? If you've got an LED parkan budget and you use some conventional figures, fixtures for the front wash, you can make a great moving and amazing show. In fact, one of the things I love about the theater, because I, I often read articles about various theatrical shows, is, you know, sometimes there's these, you know, off, 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 off Broadway shows that, you know, they will literally, a designer will go in and he'll use like five lights, you know, on a small stage and make something that's completely amazing theatrical art. So, William, what I would do is I would observe, I would look around. You know, if you're in a small space, you can use, you know, architectural style strip lights, you know, metal, you know, those metallic scoop lights, those 10 inch scoops that you can buy at the, you know, the home center for really inexpensive, you know, light. The cool thing about lighting is you don't have to have the perfect tools to make a great show. And so if you're starting from scratch, William, you know, and you've got a budget, you know, sure, go with a standard theatrical style ring, get yourself some LED Fresnels, get yourself some LED ellipsoidals, you know, don't chimp, you know, you know, buy the good stuff and you'll be able to make great shows. But if you don't have the money, you know, see what's used out there. Buy conventional lights, especially if you're not using them a ton. You don't have to do LED because, you know, the still, even though LEDs over the long run save you in a lot of cost, if you don't put a ton of hours on the units, then conventionals are going to be fine, you know, and, you know, make the best with what you've got, William. All right. So Dave wrote in. And uh, you've enjoyed the uh, tutorials. Awesome. And um, wondering, he was wondering if I have any recommendations. Oh, this is good. I've got a couple questions about this. Any recommendations on a lighting controller for using an iPad? So you've read about several packages, um, Luminaire 3 and others. Um, you have DMXs and a Shave um, wireless system and, a, and an Obey 40 wireless controller. But it seems all the iPad software packages want something like an Intec ODE or other hardware 
that, um, you know, it works over ArtNet to get the data out. So is there anything that'll work with what you have? Thanks to keep up the great work. So Dave, um, at the end of the day, you know, there's not, and there's, it's funny. There's another question. The next question I think actually here is, is about the same thing. Um, it's from a guy named Mike. Um, and <laughs> I might happen to know personally, um, might happen to be related to, but regardless, um, you know, the short answer is no, because it's like, how do you get the DMX out of the iPad, right? You know, you need, the only way that the iPad, you know, can really connect with things, you know, most of the time is wirelessly because it doesn't have USB ports. It doesn't have network ports. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have the ability to plug in like a USB interface. And, you know, even if you did, I'm not sure that the iPad you know, software, the iOS software has the ability to generate DMX and has those drivers available um, to be able to do it over USB or something like that. And so I think it's, it's mainly a technological issue because, you know, what we can run into in our industry, and this happens in lighting, is that you often don't, um, you know, it's a small industry. And so, if you're going to develop a product for it and you need to make something fit, you know, the, all the folks I've talked to, they say, you know, you have to find something that's existing out there that you can build off of, you know, some existing drivers, some existing infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. For example, you know, like the USB to DMX boxes are totally based on, you know, microchip and design, as far as I understand, that is also used for other types of things, for, you know, like things in the industrial world to control various equipment. And so it's not something we necessarily invented because we're a fairly small industry and, you know, research and development costs a lot. So what I'm trying to say here, Dave, is, um, you know, you really have to go via a network-based DMX with, with any of these iPad lighting softwares. Um, it's just kind of a fact of life. Um, one that I've liked, you know, the ODE is great. It's bulletproof. It's easy to configure. If you want something that's a little cheaper, check out the Chave DMX AN. I will link to my review on Learn Stage Lighting, which also has where you can get it. It's less, it's a little less expensive. Um, gives you some slightly different function. It'll work with Luminaire. It's a little more difficult to configure, but again, it's cheaper. You know, not quite as robust of a you know feeling to it, but again, it's cheaper. And uh, you know, you can definitely check that out um, for your ODE. So Mike asks. Um, you know, that I've mentioned in the previous episodes, the limitations of wireless DMX and how that can limit using a tablet or smartphone without having a lighting console and the tablet or the smartphone. Are there any options that allow you to use wired DMX with a tablet or smartphone? So as I was just talking to Dave, Mike, um, you know, there's not any options that I'm aware of. There's a few things. There's one out that I'm thinking of um, I think it's called Light Rider that has mentioned that they're making a ability to get um, DMX straight out of the iPad. Actually, I think it might be only Android that, that allows you to do that. Um, I'm going to look here. But regardless, um, yes, you can use USB to DMX on an Android if the screen's above 6.8 inches. Um, an iPad can't be used with USB DMX. So there you go. So, you know, they, um, there's, there's maybe one software package out there called Light Rider, and we'll link to it in the show notes that can do that. However, one other option 
is the Light Shark. Now, you may or may not be familiar with it. It's a newer console that um, I've had the ability to go ahead and do their training videos for. And also, I support it inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs and have a complete guide to the Light Shark actually in there where uh, you can, you know, learn more about it. So um, that's another place you can check things out. You're a Labs member, so you can check that out. But regardless, um, you know, the, what the Light Shark is, is it's not a computer. Um, oh, you said without having a lighting console. Darn it. So it is a standalone lighting console, but, you know, they do have one version called the Alice Core, which is basically a microcomputer. You know, it's a very small computer, fits in the palm of your hand, and has that output jack. And then you just dial into it to get the interface to be able to control the lights, but the actual DMX processing happens in the box, and then you can connect wireless, wired, rather, to DMX. But, um, yeah, at this point, besides that, it looks like this Light Rider app on Androids can do wired DMX, um, but not on iOS. And, you know, to tell you the truth, um, I don't see iOS devices, Apple devices, iPads and iPhones being able to um, control DMX directly via a wired interface because, you know, the Grapefruit Company, who, as you know, Mike, and, and other people know, I used to be a Grapefruit Company user and really liked their stuff, but I don't think they're the company they used to be. You know, Apple isn't. Um, and I don't think their stuff's as good as it once was. And it's frustrating in our industry when, you know, they do things. They don't like to let you, you know, get control of things at a hardware level. And so, for example, like there's a, 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 a unit I use called the City Theatrical DMX Cat. I'll link to my review here. I'll have Kari do that. Um, and um, it's on LearnStageLighting.com. Um, the City Theatrical DMX Cat, and it's a Bluetooth, you know, DMX tester and all kinds of cool stuff. And the app has some functions like the light meter function and um, I think the network finder function, maybe. Um, and these functions, at least the light meter, is only on Android because Apple doesn't let, you know, third-party developers touch that part of the system. And so I'm not sure for iOS there's ever going to be a tablet or smartphone thing that you can do wired but i'm keeping my eyes open i'm keeping my ears open i'm always looking so that i make sure i've got the best information for you guys and if anybody knows of one you know go to learnstagelighting.com slash contact and let me know about it because i'm always interested now mike also wrote in and asked um, i'm interested in using dmx to control not only lights but also the movement of the lights themselves i.e raising and lowering a light is there a DMX controllable motor or other system that you know of? Um, specifically, I'd like to map it to a single fader on my console, raising the motor when the fader is up, lowering it when the fader is down. As a matter of fact, Mike, there are, and I'm going to include some links in the show notes to some DMX controlled winches. Now, for those of you who haven't seen this, and let's actually put this in the show notes, if you just go to YouTube and you type in um, Red Hot Chili Peppers um live 2018 let's see if that works um and then i'll find a video and i'll make sure i like do it in the show notes because um they have what they call this kinetic lighting sculpture yeah red hot chili peppers kinetic lighting you just type that into youtube there i'll copy and paste that link into the show notes for us but um you know and you're able to go ahead and actually have physical control of the up and down of various lights and they do it with these cool kind of columns of light. Um, you know, there's another company called Kinetic Lights, actually. 
that is the original maker of these these winches that have DMX. And uh, there's a company called Mod Scenes that will actually rent them to you here in the U.S. So um, those are just a couple links I'll send to you about this um, because it is possible to control things that move via DMX. Now, there's one really, really important thing about this, okay? And uh, this is the big, you know, what the what the lawyers make sure you need to write in there is that anytime you're moving something physical with DMX, you know, like a winch or a hoist or something like this, you need to have a dedicated person who is watching it at all times when it moves and has the ability to stop the movement, okay? You need to have that built in, whether it's literally, you know, a red stop button or, you know, they're in control of the console, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, moving things above, you know, above a performance space, above people's heads, et cetera, is no joke. And you need to make sure if you are doing this, that you definitely consult the professionals on this to make sure you do it right and do it safely. Um, because anytime, you know, something's moving above somebody's head, um, something you could have a dangerous situation and uh, we always want to be safe. So there definitely is the ability to do that. It's out there. It's even rentable on with small scale stuff, which is really cool. But just make sure when you are using it, you know, a lot of these systems allow you to set limits in them that says, hey, it cannot move further down than this. It cannot move further up than this. And that's great. But you really, really, really also need to make sure you have an operator there who is able to stop the action if it gets dangerous, because you just never know when something's moving. Um, things can happen. All right, guys. Well, whew, we made it through the show. I've gotten through all the questions that were in my inbox, and I have not lost my voice yet. This is incredible. So um, if you do have questions, guys, like this, every two weeks I do a Q&A show where I answer your questions. Just send them in at learnstagelighting.com slash contact. And if you've been here before, if you've been listening to the show, and you have not gone and rated or and or reviewed the show, I really need your help so we can help people know about this show and help them see that it's, you know, helpful. So if you have found this show's enjoyable, helpful to you, head over to learnstagelighting.com slash iTunes, where you'll be able to click the link over to iTunes or to Stitcher and rate and review the show. That's my only ask of you. You know, this show is completely free. And if I could just have two minutes of your time to do that right now, that would be amazing. With that, guys, have a wonderful day. And next week, I'm excited about next week. We're going to dive into computers a little bit. Okay, but not in the nerdy, you know, above your head kind of way. But I want to talk about when we're using computers in lighting. And we're going to do a, a few episodes on this because, you know, ultimately with modern consoles, as I talked about today, especially at the entry level, you're going to be using a PC-based lighting system, okay? You're going to be using something that's on a PC. And so how do you set up your PC so that things are successful so that you don't have, you know, accidental updates, you get the right PC that has enough power, all that info I'm going to be covering in the next few weeks. So remember to rate and review the show at learnstagelighting.com slash iTunes, and I will see you next week. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting podcast. Be sure to visit us at learnstagelighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks.